0: We don't do anything. (laughs) What are we, responsible citizens? No, 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 no. We just just talk about it and people are like, ha, that's funny because things do suck. Welcome, everyone, to the greatest episode of the Do Better Dev Show. To this date, no show has come this close. And I'm so honored I have Nathan here to share this episode with me.
1: Well, wow, thanks for having me. I am also very excited about this episode. Uh, I know it's a big deal uh, from that intro. That was when I found out, just like the audience. And now I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be the best because I'm ch- I've am i changed how I'm recording my audio. <laughs> and
1: We don't need content. What we need is zooming- quality
0: and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need quality of however recording the content because our content isn't quality. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. Okay. As long as it
1: sounds like or looks like something that MK PhD makes, you can't argue with it. It's going to be. That's it's, true. It's, it's going to speak for itself.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he uses this <laughs> headphone with this mic to record every super high quality media content he creates that mic is the
1: definition of crispy
0: yeah it's high definition anyways (laughs) how's your week been
1: (laughs) uh well it's only been a couple days since we last recorded so not a whole lot to report on but i did actually think of some things to mention Uh, and they're mostly just good things which who would have thunk that's crazy uh, Who are you? Exactly. Yeah. So something I noticed a couple days ago for the first time was that my when I was charging my Mac, it was on the battery was on hold. I was like, what is this? So I googled it and apparently in the latest version of Mac OS, they added a feature where it observes your charging habits and then chooses to uh, stop the charging at 80% if it knows that you typically leave it plugged in for an extended period of time. So I had it charging at like 11 a.m. or something, and it said, we'll finish charging at 7 p.m. Because it knows that typically I just leave it plugged in throughout the day, and then around 7, I unplug it before I go to bed because I don't leave my stuff charging overnight. And it figured that out eventually, and then went on hold, so it stopped at 80%, and it essentially is for battery health to keep it from... Uh, being fully charged all the time. So I thought that was cool because it was a new feature I didn't know about. And batteries are pretty much always the thing that causes my devices to have problems. So fewer battery problems, the better. This is a very random one, but I was walking home from the gym today and I passed by this cafe. And I'm sure they've probably had this sign up since the heat wave, but they had this sign in the window that said something roughly along the lines of It's hot out there. If you need water, poke your head in and we'll help you out. And then it just had a little smiley face. And I just thought it was a very nice thing because I hadn't, I'm not familiar with that being all that common in at least North America where you can just pop in somewhere and ask for water. Uh, we did that in Iceland. Every gas station, we just brought around this giant thing of water and they would just fill it uh, each place we went to. But seeing that expressed in a nice, friendly way in Victoria uh, made me happy. This is my mandatory Rocket League big of news. Today I was watching the Intel World Open and France won their region. Canada got second in their region. But France was Team Vitality, which is my favorite team, and they won the RLCSX championship for their region as well. So they're just crushing everybody right now. But it was cool because the second team was the Netherlands, and it was just kind of a random one. They didn't have any, they weren't a pro team. They were just a ragtag group, and they beat everybody except for Vitality, who were the reigning champs. So it was pretty cool. It was fun to watch, uh, even though the commentary was quite bad, so I left it muted. But the gameplay itself was really good. And then this was the last thing. I was clipping my fingernails today, and I just wanted to write this down as like a frustrating thing. I need to know if I'm the only one who always misses one fingernail when they're clipping all the fingernails it'll be like an hour and a half two hours later and i'll just realize oh i missed the middle finger on my right hand again or i missed my index finger
0: yeah i think that's just you it's frustrating
1: <laughs> i don't know Every, as i'm cutting my fingernails i'm like i'm gonna miss one i need to just pay attention make sure i don't and then it still happens i'm like how do i do this how am i this bad at something so simple
0: what's your finger nail cutting process do you know just not go in a clockwise manner of all the fingers yeah, so i
1: start clippers in my right hand
0: start mm-hmm. on my thumb
1: on the left hand do my thumb mm-hmm. do each finger and i switch to the left hand clip my thumb and i just work across and somehow apparently skip one of these three fingers and at some point then just like i'm done and i've done all my fingers except for one of these in the middle
0: Oh, it happens is... regularly. Yeah, um if it, of yeah. okay, of
1: my date of the sample data I have. I'm the only one. So this is yes. not a positive yeah. thing <laughs> to share. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um internet do your thing. This is backlash at him like how are you I'm missing?
1: so canceled.
0: uh yeah, I I can't even compute this like Guys, the episode's <laughs> over. We're done. Here. <laughs> all right. All
1: right. All right. All right. Well, I tried. What about you? Uh, what have you done the last two days?
0: Um, well, uh, the, the annoying thing is uh, how bad tracking is on packages and how, when things get delivered. I have something to add to and this And I'm not even... Done. Yeah. I'm not even saying, like, before it gets... like. I'm okay with the whole. It's out for delivery, and then you just stay home all day uh, to make sure you receive it. Um, and God forbid they knock not hard enough, and you don't hear it, and then they just leave a note. Um, the thing I'm more annoyed about uh, is this weekend, or the, what happened in the last two days, is they I, I missed them by a couple minutes, uh, and what they did was they took it back in the truck. They left a notice saying pick it up at this location. And you can pick it up um, later today or whatever um, and I'm, I was very sure that it has to be at least a day because uh, there's no way the truck drops it off at the center the same day um, so yeah so they, it didn't and then the next day they didn't either and when I went to the and the reason I went to the pickup center was because I got a text in the morning like giving me a second confirmation saying it's reached the place come pick it up and when I went to the place it hadn't reached because apparently whoever the postman was or the delivery person was they scanned it but didn't take it out of the truck and to the place so it just stayed in the truck until they finished their round again Um, so what I want to know is how bad is this Um, how hard is this to fix this is a problem because it just seems like an oversight And why don't we have robots doing this? (laughs) Um, If billionaires are competing for, you know, going into space, who's going to go first? Instead of, you know, all the other great things they could be doing with our mental health access, food, clean water. Sure, don't do any of that. Give me robot delivers. (laughs) Just make, if I have to pay for quick express shipping i want that to be shipped properly and taken care of um so yeah that's my rant uh what you wanted to add something
1: so in february i got a new modem i actually mentioned it on the show and i had to ship back my modem that i had at the time and besides the fact that they're like ship it back in the box and they're not the same size so i needed a new box uh, So I had to get a box from a friend, ship that back. Anyway, shipped it. And since February 23rd or something, the tracking has said, held at, or out for delivery, and then held wherever. I don't remember the exact phrase. Held somewhere at the request of the recipient. And it's just, it's just said that. So I'm like, either they never confirmed that it was delivered, or it never was delivered or Shaw was like you just hold on to that if they don't follow up we're going to bill him but it hasn't been long it's been long enough at this point that I'm like they would have just randomly charged me 200 bucks by now so that that surely isn't the case but I've left this tab open on my computer just because I'm like I I don't want to lose this because when Shaw bills me I want to be able to yell at them because they've already charged me for things I haven't i haven't owed them before I'm like i don't need them taking more hundreds of dollars that i don't owe them from me so it's just an odd one because uh, yeah it's apparently been sitting in a, in somewhere uh, since february
0: yeah. wow maybe it's their modem warehouse Shaw just treats there's like how can we how can we just make this work be done by somebody else's account like, what if we just held all of the packages at this facility that we don't own? Like, Maybe. Yeah. Good job, Jenkins. Because that's the name of the person who <laughs> Definitely. <you>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Did you have anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a cool stuff addition, which is literally cool because now I have an air conditioner. And after a week of usage, I'm, like, getting pretty addicted. Uh, I'm having such, so so nice sleeping Moments. <laughs> I, I phrased that horribly, uh, I'm having a really good sleep and it's just really nice. I am afraid to look at my hydro bill, mm. uh, but I've been, I've been sort of responsible with it. Uh, I keep my room closed and it, it's smart enough that if the room reaches the certain temperature I've set it to, it just shuts off. Um, but yeah, it's just really nice, very convenient and I really wish I had it during the heat wave. But thanks to global warming, we'll have many more, so I'm prepared.
1: I was going to make a bad pun. I was like, that's not my job. That's your job. So I'll skip over (laughs) that. Anything else or shall we move on to the topic of the day?
0: Yeah, I think we should climb this beanstalk and talk about the topic of the day.
1: So I'm going to explain the very small amount that I know about beanstalk did no research about this because I figured you're very passionate about Beanstalk as I learned a couple days ago when you mentioned it on the show. And then you can uh, fill in everything else and correct me. So what I remember of Beanstalk conceptually is it's meant to be something where you upload like basically your application. Maybe it's Dockerized. Maybe it has to be Dockerized. You choose like a runtime of some sort and then it just does everything else for you. Uh, so you're like essentially I'm going to deploy this with like Python. And then you just ship a sure, Python yeah. app and then it runs. Except that like every time I've tried this, yeah. it's been at least a year and a half since. Every time I've tried this it fails and then I get annoyed trying to tear everything down that gets spun up and, and then I think it's not great. But clearly I'm wrong, and that's why I have to take things like this AWS course to figure out why I am the one in the wrong and AWS is in the right. So, again, tell me what the deal is with Beanstalk, because I really don't know.
0: Well, Beanstalk is this puppet master. It's the orchestrator. It is just the greatest thing to come since Garlic Bread and EC2 and <laughs> it's just A- A- aws's baby <laughs> and i don't know why that's the definition that popped in my mind uh but i will stand by it and speaking defend it. speaking of things as... that
1: probably haven't been said before <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah this will go on some sort of t-shirt if we have enough money to make merch <laughs> ever um it's going right I, on the beanstalk sales I... page i think exactly yeah i i'll just go yeah when i start at AWS, I'll just be like, hey, can I switch teams? Because I have a really good slogan. (laughs) Um, Speaking of slogans, though, their current slogan is easy to begin, impossible to outgrow, which is fairly accurate, um, apparently not from your perspective, because it was not easy to begin with. I'm sure it was. I was just
1: um. <laughs> very dumb. The way that one of our mutual friends and former coworkers explained it to me was, the problem with AWS is if you don't know, it says learn more, and you click the docs, and then it just opens a PDF that's way too long, or a webpage that's way too long with links to all these other pages, and you just go, oh, no, and then you then you give up, when really, if you understand yeah. big picture what's going on, it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, and when it says learn more and you're not learning, the really the onus is on you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I suppose. It's not, yeah, it's not a suggestion, it's a demand.
0: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, it's just like you want to use our service, you better learn. Uh, we have a wall of 1,000 services and you need to figure out which one's the right one for you. And we won't be very helpful, but you should just be smart as opposed to GCP or Azure, where there's like, we have dumped down everything. Uh, there's this horizontal list that just continuously just expanding and keeps going. And we named them so that it sounds like what you want, like blob storage and <laughs> just throw things at it. Um, but it's just not, not as convenient. I don't know. Uh, they, they have their own strengths and then we'll talk about hybrid cloud in a different okay. episode. But in this one, Beanstalk, Um, another great thing is it's free. It's one of the few AWS services that's absolutely free. You pay for everything that it runs on. So you pay for the EC2, S3 storage, cloud formation, whatever. Um, But it's free. It's because it's just the orchestrator and AWS purely created it to tell you to say, hey, use our services here's a one-stop shop for everything you need and will make your life easy. They're they're trying to just like replace DevOps mm. and it's just really cool and as a DevOps person I should hate it but I, I really can't. It's just made my life so much easier um, but that's how you get replaced. Your life becomes easier then your job becomes easier and then they're like well, it's too easy anybody can do it bye. Um, yeah.
1: Mm. So that's Largely what it does then is the like opsy management part of the infrastructure.
0: Yeah. So in a nutshell, what Beanstalk targeted or wanted to do was you write your application, you figure out your Mm -hmm. code, and then we'll give you a sample template. So long you can zip up your code in this template that we've requested. We will take care of firewalls, security groups, um, monitoring, notifications, alarms, scaling, which is the biggest selling point for it. Um, and it gives you like predetermined web servers because you have people who can write write really good APIs, but then you ask them to tweak an Nginx configuration and they put their hands up because Nginx web servers are hard and sometimes very difficult to understand when they're like, you treat them at the base level. Um, so it takes care of everything. It, it has like built-in Nginx and Apache, Apache I think came sort of recently. And it also supports IIS for those people deploying Windows apps for some reason, like it's 2021, write Linux. God, I like <laughs> uh, But for those who still do .NET and other Windows stuff, it has IIS native support. Um, and it just gives you all of that out of the box. So as a developer, you can write your application. Maybe you learned how to containerize it so that you can run it in different platforms. And that's the extent of it. Um, like I was mentioning in the previous episode, the coolest thing I learned recently was your project, if if you're doing the Docker deployment, your project root either needs to just have a Docker file or a Docker compose.yaml. And it will read that, parse out how it's supposed to spin up the containers and spin that up for you on Beanstalk. You don't need to write any Docker run AWS configuration. You don't need to write anything anymore. It will read it and spin it out on EC2 and scale it as much as you want. Um, Which is just crazy, crazy insane and crazy good. So
1: is this something that hides a lot of that from you or spins it up and then gives you the keys if you want to adjust things?
0: Both. So you can choose which which kind of instances you want. You can choose your SSH key because AWS shares that as a resource. So in EC2, you can define a SSH key and so long you have access to it when you created it. Um, Beanstalk will use that key on every single uh, EC2 instance it spins up. And if you create VPCs previously, great. If not, it will create that one for you as well and assign public and or private IPs based on the configuration you give it. And the the real aim for it is once you've spun everything up and if you do everything correctly, you never need to SSH into your instances. It runs, you can access it through the web server API, or if you do do the worker environment where it runs something on a cron or whatever, um, it runs a worker environment without an API and everything will either go to like CloudWatch, um, things are being monitored through their metrics and it's sending out notifications if things are going wrong through SNS and it just takes away all of that abstraction. Uh, but it also provides you with direct access to every single thing it's doing in case you wanted somebody to come look at it.
1: Right. Cause that's what I was largely wondering about with respect to, for example, their managed services. Like I think at RDS, they don't let you SSH into the containers cause they have full control. And I was wondering if it was kind of like, I don't even remember the commands. It's been so long since I had to spin up a a front-end project. But there's some webpack configuration where it just gives you everything. Oh, uh, the React start app or React, whatever.
0: Create React app. That
1: one, yeah. The Create React app where it's just like, we've set everything up, and if you try to go outside, color outside the lines, it's going to be a hard time. And I was wondering if, This is a similar situation where you get your app and then you say, I really don't want all this logging, or I want to change something about how my container, the pricing model for my containers, or something like that, if it would have any um, restrictions on you, or if it just says, We've spun everything up. These are the CloudFormation templates that we're using. Modify them at your leisure, or change through the web console or the CLI, and it'll update the stuff dynamically and you can manage things however you would normally would as if you'd set it all up yourself.
0: Yeah. so yeah, it does it does the changes. It will let, so it allows you as basic or ingrained control as okay. you want. So it is spinning up EC2 containers. You can see them in the EC2 dashboard. Uh, you're able to SSH login into them. And during the deployment cycle, uh, there's this folder you can create called AB extensions and within the life cycle of the upload and deploy and how it runs them. You can run a whole bunch of hook commands, install things, um, send out health checks, whatever you want to do um, through like plain bash or .NET or other, other those languages that aren't Linux only. (laughs) So just not touching that. Yeah.
1: Got a real bee in your bonnet about that today.
0: I just, I, because just, I was, I was doing a little bit of research before this, and then I always just thought it supports Nginx out of the box, and Apache was new, and then it told me IIS, and I immediately was just like, no. Nah. <laughs> I have never managed IIS not through a UI, mm. so I've always used it through a UI. Double negative tricky. It can be tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so yeah, I I saw that today, and it's just like tricked something in my brain where it was just like, no, this is this is not good. I hope I never have to do a project like that. Uh, But just because I have bad experiences with IIS, I always got it working, but the amount of pain it took to get there was not worth it. Um, Yeah, nginx all the way. Every other web server can go die. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, back to (laughs) Beach Talk. So so speaking of the the languages part, it supports pretty much every major language out of the box. So it has support for like Python, Go, .NET, um, Docker, which is what I primarily use, uh, C, C++. It has a whole bunch of those platforms. And since it runs natively on EC2, you can like really get... um, performance driven out of the web instance. Um, As opposed to if there were containers running on Kubernetes or something, you are limited within the confines of whatever the container has allocated Mm. for you. Um, But this way you have raw access to the machines. Um, And when you're creating the configuration, you can actually choose between on on spot instances, demand instances, Um, it just gives you that full flexibility. And if you change your mind at any time, You can go in, click, change the new settings, hit apply, and it does the whole no downtime deploy on its own.
1: So where do you manage that? Because I don't expect that's in your Docker Compose file that you uploaded. So where do you do that? Because everything's typically done with config files, right?
0: Yeah. Nine out of ten times, you can define it in, like, so... Most of the times what people do with Beanstalk, um, they will just create these configurations through the UI. Um, it's just easier, simpler, and you normally don't change them as mm-hmm. often. But if you wanted to change it, there is a EB command line, and you can give it parameters on how to update certain things. Uh, there's also CloudFormation templates that you can use to make changes to your Beanstalk environments through CloudFormation, and that's where you can do the whole configuration as a code or you write your own sort of orchestrator configuration, where you use the Elastic Beanstalk CLI, and based on whatever parameters you get from the CLI on the current status of your infrastructure and everything, you can update your environment and change things, how they behave. Um, It has, like the big terminologies is, it has applications, and then within applications, you can have many environments. So that's how it logically groups things together so i could have an application saying production microservices and then within there i have an environment for my web worker i have one for my web service i have something that's my database storage um, and then i could have those environments set up in there that way
1: okay so what do you use Beanstalk for, or what would you versus not using Beanstalk or using some comparable way of managing your infrastructure?
0: Um, so again, when it's, when it's a smaller, when it, when it's some sort of a web server, um, that you need that really like ingrained CPU memory information and like complete resource control. Um, that's when I would use something like Beanstalk. Um, I have currently, a really high, highly scaled, um, throw some buzzwords in there, uh, Logstash server that runs on it. And I could have deployed that as a Kubernetes container somewhere. Um, because I do manage our Kubernetes cluster and then I could have just spun up a bunch of pods, have it process, uh, and do that. But our needs for it have like really scaled up really quick. And I know my Kubernetes cluster itself would have started hitting its limits because then there's two tiers. Now I have to update the cluster so that it has more resources so I can allocate it to my application. So if you're not expecting your application to grow really fast, if it's a bunch of little application that's just like containers doing their things, um, smaller little or expected size loads, uh, then use something like EKS, some Kubernetes client, or run your own EC2 instances if you're like just playing around. If you just want to run a little Hello World somewhere on the internet, use that. Um, or if you're not very familiar with all of the AWS terminologies, uh, AWS does have something called, I think it's called Lighthouse or something or something close to that, uh, where it's their version of um, DigitalOcean. They'll just be like, Oh, would you like this little web, little server which can run WordPress and you pay $7 a month for this or you pay $5 a month for this as opposed to this is the instance type. This is the information. This is high performance. It is Um, so like if you're not putting all that time or don't want to deal with that, then you would go something with that. But if you know what you're doing, if you have um, the knowledge of the terminologies, Um, Beanstalk is just the way to go. I've seen such large scale apps running on it so cleanly um, that I like don't even think about how it won't be a great idea for anything that's like medium to large scale uh, traffic. I'm
1: curious to see now I do want to get to that point in my (laughs) AWS course, it motivates me to to actually stick with it because I know there's a Beanstalk section and I'm curious to see if they have the same I'm sure they will because you're positive on it and this course is pro everything AWS so I'm sure it'll agree but I'm curious to see what they say because my perspective prior to this conversation would have been Beanstalk is for developers who need to use AWS and don't know how to use AWS but you're saying like it's just a great product and you should use it
0: Yeah. Like if, if developers who don't know how to use AWS and they just have like, and the type of developer, right? Like let's say they're a front end developer, um, and they don't do a lot of like ops servers, Linux, uh, they might go the lighthouse route where they just get a server bare bones, set it up all up with their little host name and everything created for them. Um, or they might. Like again, front end, if they just go put it on S3 buckets, follow some guide, set everything up, right? Um, But yeah, but if you are a little bit more advanced or you want more control over your stack, uh, which is not just plain EC2 because then there's too much moving parts in EC2. If you just stay within the confines of that because then you create an EC2 instance, you give it an elastic IP address, then you figure out your load balancer you have to manually create your auto-scaling and target groups. Uh, then you have to go into Route 53, map the CNAME, and it's just too much work. Uh, but if you know how to do all of those things, go to Beanstalk, because it'll do all, everything for you and it doesn't charge anything extra. And the great thing about it is is manages... So the way Beanstalk lifecycle works is you give it your source bundle. It uploads that somewhere in S3 in its own private bucket. And it maintains the last, I think, 200 versions or something. You can, there's a limit and then you can either increase that or clean those up as you go along. And yeah, it has that. And then once you click on something, it deploys it. If it successfully is able to deploy it, great. If not, it just auto rolls back to the last stable version. And if it deploys and you find out it's a deployment bug, you go in through the UI or your command line or whatever, quickly revert to the last application version. Um, and it just does it all really quickly. Yeah. And you can write your own like custom health checks and everything. Um, so I would recommend, uh, where it does fall short, um, is it's very much targeted towards ephemeral applications. So like if your application somehow relies on a single, like something on the disc and it has to be like just for that Mm -hmm. server, uh, then you may run into some problems. Uh, It does have like sticky session because you can choose between an application load balancer, a network load balancer and the classic load balancer and configure it differently. Uh, But most of the times you don't wanna do that and it doesn't have any concrete, like instant storage is useless. You can have EBS volumes attached to each one of the instances, and they will get reused, so you always have some level of persistence. But there's no way to know if two instances will share the same storage. And so just really make sure your applications are you know, scalable properly within how scaling should right. be without having to rely um, on inf- places like that.
1: Yeah, it really just sounds like if you're building for distributed systems, then you need to build for distributed systems, whether it's on Beanstalk or you're doing it yourself.
0: Exactly. At that point, just get good and do better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it has a very powerful feature that I've never really used. Um, and I don't see the need for it, but I've seen people use it, is it also lets you create a database right at ha- like within the configuration so that you can manage that too from your place, from the same Beanstalk dashboard. So if you wanted some sort of RDS cluster that talks to all of these instances and you don't have to worry about how it manages the VPCs, the configuration, the communication, uh, you can choose that through the UI. And it will create that for you. It'll tell you when things are good. And yeah, under the hood, it uses CloudFormation as well. So if you wanted to be really meta, you use CloudFormation to run Beanstalk, which runs CloudFormation uh, to create your other instances and information.
1: RDS or connecting my app to RDS has always been the part where I failed. Uh, And I would tell myself the thing I'd found to be true up to that point, which is if I just keep at this, I'll figure it out. And then (laughs) it just wasn't true. Uh, So Having that taken care of would be lovely, but also learning more and getting good would probably be a better idea in the long run, long run.
0: Yeah. And it has the, um, yeah, the, cause most of the problems I've seen with people and database connectivity is because of VPCs and how servers are in usually d- different VPCs, the database is in different one and they can't communicate There's no access, so then it's all in one place. Uh, I think they added that initially because when the service was coming out, WordPress was a huge thing. So it was like, here's your web server, here's your database. You can configure all of it in one place, which is all you need for a little WordPress server. Oh, it also supports PHP out of the box. Duh. Um, Because of that very reason. Uh, Yeah,
1: WordPress is keeping PHP alive.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It just needs to die. No, I don't know. I, I don't feel strongly about it because I never had to work with it very much because I actively avoided any role that had it. So <laughs> if there are PHP lovers out there, good for you, but I hate it. Um, not as much as other some other languages, but I just, yeah, never got into it.
1: Yeah, I don't even have a strong take on it. I just know there's a lot of people... Who don't love PHP. So I have chosen to avoid it. And because I didn't want to become a WordPress developer. So stay away from PHP and you won't accidentally become a WordPress developer. Yeah. uh, it took me a long time to escape from being a JavaScript developer. Don't want to be a WordPress guy.
0: In my head, you still are. I know.
1: Eventually, maybe.
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah, so those were some of the things, Uh, trying to see through my notes. Um, Yeah, and I'll touch, like I talked about the web server and the worker. I'll talk a little bit more about the deployment. So there is that fractional cost difference when it's doing the deployments because it has a rolling deployment option. So it has either that or it has just deploy your code all at once to every server which if you're running in a good production environment, you probably don't want to do that. Uh, But yeah, it has that little downtime, and then it does the rolling deployment where it'll create the new instance, first check that it has all the right things, health monitoring and everything passes, then it'll redirect all the traffic and kill the old server, which is great, but also problematic if your health checks take too long and you're running some sort of like gigantic instance, then you are paying like extra $30, $40 per deployment. Uh, but at that point, you're probably paying thousands of dollars for your server, so 30 bucks probably doesn't matter to you very much. Um, but it was something I always thought was just like, I guess I don't see any other way around it. Um, maybe AWS could just be like, we'll just waive this cost. Um, but they don't, because it's a business, and why would they?
1: Also, if you're going to do rolling deployments, make sure that your code can play nice with the previous version of itself so if you have half your servers running in one version and half your servers running another version because it's currently rolling out you don't want people who hit one server and get a response and then hit the other server with the old version or new version or vice versa and get a response for it to just kill the app or something so make sure that things can talk to each other and not conflict if you're doing rolling deployments
0: yeah Which, I I don't know, I I find them to be much better than recreate deployments. It's just no downtime, man. Um, However, if you are a fan of recreate deployments, Beanstalk has got you covered. Because what you can do, which is the coolest feature I learned the last week, uh, is within the same application, you can deploy two environments. So you can have environment A, environment B which could be both your exact same app, but right now environment A is active, all the production code is going there. You create environment B with all your code and you can swap the C names between them. And it does all of that behind the scene. It's almost instantaneous. So now all of your traffic goes to B now and then you can kill A in the meantime. You can kill the servers behind it, keep the application and all the configuration. So the next time you deploy code to it, it'll auto spin up everything. And you're not paying costs in the meantime, so it it just says everything. <laughs> what what do you want, man? What could what could you dream that Beanstalk does not offer? Tell me.
1: I'll have to get back to you on that.
0: It's okay. You just need to dream I more. Know. <laughs> I
1: know. You're really selling it, though. It sounds like a very uh, very useful service that I have previously yeah. disregarded as that thing that I tried and it didn't work.
0: Yeah, every time I have to s- deploy a web server on my own that I have to manage, which is not on a Kubernetes server, I'm just like Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. There's not even a question. I don't want to s- manage my own EC2 instances, SSH manually, copy over code like a loser. <laughs> no, I'm going to upload the zip and the service does all the work for me. And it does it reliably because it's written by people who are better at than me. <laughs> Fair uh, enough, yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of health checks, it has like really good um, network level checks. So by default, if it's a web server environment, it does the health checks on whatever ports you open up and you can choose if they're like TCP, HTTP health checks. Um, but you can also write your own custom ones and override the flow it runs. So it gives you so much flexibility that you can hook yourself within its normal lifecycle hooks and just change however the health check works. So you can just say, don't check if my port 5000 is responding, it's really for internal, internal only communication, but I will write this little bash script that you can run on the server, and if it returns okay, that means the port is working and you can call the server healthy. And until unless until unless it's defined healthy, it will not be put into production. Uh, so it does, All of that for you, it's just so great. (laughs) I can't stop talking about it, somebody stop me. Uh, Yeah, and then notifications. So it has the, yeah, it has hooked into SNS. So you can send yourself slack, text emails, if a deploy fails, things go wrong, your your, something is using too much CPU, um, but then at that point you should just use CloudWatch. I know it costs more, but like do better. Uh, it's why it was made. Uh, you could rely on Beanstalk, but don't. Just You could, just don't. Wise words. Wise words, <laughs> you could just don't. yeah. Um, yeah, the source bundles are in zip. It's a nice upload and forget. Um, yeah, uh, database EBS persistence, firewall security groups. I've marked everything off my list.
1: Well, if you've made it this far and none of this made sense, I don't know how you make it this far, but if you're very confused right now, skim the last five, ten episodes. We've covered a lot of these other services that were just described in individual episodes, and they can at least provide you a high-level view of what all this stuff is because Beanstalk's just using stuff that AWS already provides for you and we hit the highlights basically going down gian's top favorite services and just work down down the list so at least we can get one person's preferences uh, laid out and again especially if you start with ec2 that's the heart of everything so we have an episode on that it was one of the first aws things we did you can learn more there
0: exactly yeah we, it's just, the puppet master is really cool. So I was like, let's, and we're, we sort of build upon the episodes we've talked upon before. So yeah, if things, if this didn't make much sense, go listen to EC2. Uh, we talked, we went too much in detail about how EC2 works and things that you can do or don't. And if you want even more detail, it's just a Linux box, man, like download Linux on your computer, play with it. And then EC2 will make sense and then Beanstalk will make sense, and then you'll be gunning for our jobs before you know it. True. Yeah.
1: doesn't take much, honestly.
0: It, it, it <laughs> really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> some tech knowledge, a lot of imposter syndrome, and you're good.
1: That's right. Well, I have yeah. nothing to add, as you might expect. I am uh, largely mm-hmm. just a fly on the wall for this conversation <laughs> at this point, and hopefully
0: in a few... Are you sold, though? Are you, like hyped up do we be in stock from now you
1: on you have motivated me to not bail on this aws developer course quite yet because as i mentioned there's a section on beanstalk and knowing how to use it would be excellent especially if it's as good as you make it sound where a lot of stuff is taken care of for me and i don't have to sit there and fiddle with stuff as much as i otherwise would
0: yeah in the, in the beginning, you may have some fiddling based upon how you structure your code properly or not. So the way I do these things is, I the rest of the configuration almost always works perfectly as I've chosen through the UI. It's generally something's going wrong because I've not followed the template properly on my code. So I'll have myself SSH into the EC2 instance, and then I'll keep uploading different versions of my code through the UI to see if one of them works. And then once Beanstalk's like this environment is healthy, I'll check the instance, make sure my code is working, things are working as they should, the web server is responding. And once you get to that stage, it's just life is good <laughs> from then on. All you have to do is every time you deploy is Elastic Beanstalk upload new application version, Elastic Beanstalk deploy the new version. Those two commands and then you're good for the rest of your life. Wow. You just you just run those two commands. That's um, as
1: that's as easy as it is for me currently with my S three website, which is very easy.
0: Exactly, like you'll hit Alzheimer's, and then the only things you'll remember is EB create application and EB deploy. And that's all I'll need. That's all you need.
1: So it'll be fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, oh, this is yeah. the guy. Why is?
1: Yeah. I was gonna say beyond his years, but at that point, hopefully not. Because otherwise, I got it quite young. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Do you have anything to do better? I
0: kn- no, it's the yeah, it's the orchestrator uh, for any other services that we've mentioned here, like RDS, um, um, Route Fifty Three, because we were talking a little bit about C names and domains and all that other stuff. We'll probably cover that in its own specialized episode, so that we're not diverging off, off too much. Um, but yeah, go listen to EC2. It's a huge, nice refresher. Being stuck will make a lot more sense. And honestly, just play with it. And it's free. Again, most cost you'll incur is S3 and EC2. So you know, deploy some T-level instances if you're broke. Don't don't just go crazy for the R's and C's yet. Uh, brace yourselves. And you know, hit me up because you can clearly tell I love this way too much. And I yeah, will For help those you not watching you the video, he's it. just
1: smiled for the last 40 minutes straight.
0: It's great, <laughs> man. <laughs> I am climbing this beanstalk, all right? I'm high up on it. Good for you. I have not done drugs, I swear.
1: <laughs> all right, well, as mentioned earlier, it's only been a couple days since the last recording, but do you have any updates on what you want to do better or what you've done better?
0: Um, well, what I have done better on is I am supposed to go on a trip, which I've talked about too many times now. Um, but there's no such thing as talking too many times about anything on the show because of how much you talk about Rocket League. Correct. So, (laughs) (laughs) so what we, what we, what I'm doing is now I at least have a rough itinerary of the spots I want to stop alongside bc uh on the little trip and i have the weekend previous and after the trip planned so that's more progress than whatever i had previously now i just have to book the hostels if not sleeping bag in a car works great Uh, interior bc is cooler there will be nice fresh air and we'll just throw a sleeping bag in the car and assuming
1: nothing's actively Uh, on fire at the time
0: that's true, yeah um, if it is, we'll be in a car faster to escape
1: <laughs> true that
0: <laughs> I don't want to drive in a wildfire though that sounds horrible and all the things coming in your filter and you can't see anything because it's all smoke um, and Smokey the Bear would be sad true so, so we won't be creating any wildfires throughout this trip uh, or any fires of any sort um, it'll just be us hanging out and enjoying life um, so yeah, that's what I did better on and do better will be, I'll be continuing to finish that off. Uh, my goal is by tomorrow, I have a complete, uh, checkpoints and everything based with like times roughly allocated. I don't want to go too much into it, into how many hours we need to spend there, or these are the bathroom break slots. <laughs> this is, this needs to be relaxing. Yeah. So I'm going to just make sure we have a place to sleep. And it's cheap enough that if we don't make it, we don't worry about the $40 we lost. Um, Yeah, so that, and then the other thing I want to do is I want to finish Ghost of Tsushima before this weekend because then if I'm gone for a week, I will forget how the controls were and then the game will lose its touch. So now I will be spending all my time after work playing this game so I can uh, beat it. So I finally have a goal to achieve in this life. <laughs>
1: Congratulations! So I'll
0: be working towards it. Thank you. Uh, it'll be gone, and then I'll be, be back into the abyss of not knowing what to do. Nice. In my life.
1: Yeah, I do that every Sunday. Uh, <laughs> so I did have. How about you? <laughs> I had two things I've done better since Monday. Mm. So I can. This was just something I said I was going to do, which was work on "Classico" by Tenacious D. I've just been working on that, so I'm not, I haven't learned it fully, but I'm substantially better than I was two days ago. And this one is another dumb one, but I think I mentioned last time something similar to this happened. Uh, I ate a nectarine, which I think was for the first time ever, and it was very good. So I've been each, at the end of each day after work, I've done a walk to the grocery store. I do a detoured walk and pick up an apple. And some other random piece of fruit, and I've been trying to get stuff I don't think I've eaten before. Some of them have been successful, like the nectarine. Some of them were not successful, like the mango. So, just trying to branch out, see what's out there, and uh, doing better. Uh, no updates. Same stuff from Monday, which was I'm gonna try 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 to fully commit or pick another course uh, for the AWS course continue working on classico and i guess i didn't have this before but pack and plan for the road trip as needed
0: you're going on a road trip too Ah, that's so cool
1: had to wait for the other person to get back to me about details but they've done it
0: you don't need the details enough details to be like follow your heart what
1: type of trip is this do i need to bring all of my own food in the tent, or not—that sort of stuff.
0: Uh, no, it's very uh, improv. Cool. Just like the show. 100% improv. For the last yeah. however many minutes. You wanna improv the goodbye?
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I'll say ah, more. Say so more next dang. week.
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye.